Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? If you haven't watched the Wall of Awful videos on How to ADHD, you're missing out. How to ADHD is Jessica McCabe's YouTube channel, and it's amazing. It's full of all sorts of valuable information. Not the least of which is the two video series she did on my Wall of Awful model. You should go check it out. I'll provide the link in the show notes to make it as easy as possible. Also, if you're not a part of the ADHD Essentials Facebook community, please consider joining. In it, you'll find support for parenting your child with ADHD, managing your own ADHD, and other members of the tribe. That link is in the show notes as well. And remember, the best way to support this show is by sharing it with others. So post it to your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, maybe paint it on the side of your house. Let everybody know. Another great help would be a five-star rating and review in iTunes. Those go a long way to helping others find the show. This is episode 72. Today, we're talking to Juma Innes. Juma is the director of The Message. I'll let him tell you more about it once the interview starts, but in a nutshell, Juma and his team at The Message provide schools with workshop residencies, assemblies, and concerts to empower teens for a 21st century powered by media. They teach them to think critically about the messages they're receiving in that media by helping schools, both the teachers and the students, develop awareness around media literacy and the needs of our youth. You can learn more about the work of Juma and his team at themessagemovement.com. In today's episode, we focus more on the needs of our youth. We talk about meeting kids where they are, how generational and other blind spots keep us from connecting, validating the foolishness and silliness of youth and its importance, accounting for our shared humanity, and the power of music as a unifying force. Juma will absolutely be coming back, and when he does, we'll be talking a great deal about media use in our kids. So consider this at least a part one of two. All right, let's get rolling. So my name is Juma Ennis. I'm the founder and director of The Message. We are a movement to empower teens to become empowered adults. So teenagers spend anywhere from nine to 13 hours a day, according to most studies, with media. That is using social media, uh, playing video games, watching movies, Netflix, Hulu, uh, YouTube, that kind of thing, and uh, communicating with each other via text. During that time, our kids are being exposed to lots of different influences, and some of them are not always the best. And we have 30 years of research to confirm that negative media messages influence 
negative and dangerous decision-making habits in young people that follow them into adulthood and jeopardize their futures. So there's the one challenge on the, uh, on the decision-making front that we work to circumvent. And then there's the other challenge on the physical and social-emotional uh, health front uh, that's brought about by the sheer use of the technology. So for example, the blue light that emits from our phones and our devices uh, throws off our circadian rhythm, which is our internal body clock, by at least three hours. So a lot of our kids aren't getting proper sleep. A lot of our kids are missing out on interpersonal skills development because they're always connecting and communicating with each other via text and Snapchat and Instagram. And so a lot of basic things like eye contact are being lost in their personal development. And so uh, we offer a series of interventions to help youth think critically and gain more control over how they're uh, being influenced by media messages and to ultimately be able to make positive lifestyle choices for themselves. What are some of those interventions? Is this mental health interventions? Is it classes? What does that look like? We offer uh, concerts. We offer inspirational talks, assemblies. And then we have an actual workshop series that's really, it's really a residency. It's in three high schools in Massachusetts right now. But it's a full curriculum that we offer on media literacy, digital literacy, and uh, critical thinking. It lasts anywhere between eight to 18 weeks. One school, we've been in a full school year now. That captures all of our youth-facing work. For adults, we actually offer uh, trainings on how to better communicate and connect with their teens about, not just about uh, their, their social media and phone usage, but about where they are as youth right now in, in 2019. And, and, and to help foster better communication and collaboration between parents and teens and um, not just parents and teens, but teachers and other caring adults. So what are some of, the, some of the strategies that you're providing to those adults to help them connect more effectively with the teens in their lives? We always have to be in the practice of meeting them where they are, not where we want them to be. And even in my personal practice, as I work with teens directly in our residencies, a lot of times we, as adults, we think we know a lot because we've learned a lot. And, and we do know a lot. We've learned a lot. We've experienced a lot. We've lived life, at least twice as much life as the, as the, as the young person we're talking to, right? And, and what gets lost in that and, and what, what, what can happen sometimes is, you know, there are generational gaps. There are generational blind spots. There are cultural blind spots that prevent us from really connecting with our young people on a heart level. And so being in the practice of engaging youth, first with authenticity, uh, second with boldness, and then thirdly with curiosity can help us create a, a groundwork for us to have conversations that are meaningful and, and impactful for our young people. So uh, when I say authenticity, over the years, I've seen um, a lot of well-meaning teachers and administrators as well, and parents, you know, their heart is to parent, their heart is to teach. And what gets lost in that is who they are and what that means to the young person, right? <laughs> when I talk about leading with authenticity in terms of engaging our youth, that 
is all about leading with you first before what you have to share. Boldness is all about being open to take risks and to take risks and cross divides uh, and engaging and looking to connect and engage with your young person. So, uh, for example, last year, uh, this one school, I had a meeting. I remember sitting in the office and there was a young man sitting next to me with his, uh, with his earphones on and his phone, he was, uh, listening to music. And so there was a lot of folks, students and staff coming back and forth and no one was really acknowledging this kid, not this kid, this young man rather. Uh, so no one was, was really acknowledging him. And so I engaged him in a conversation. So I started by asking what was, what was he listening to? That is such a great question that adults who see kids listening to music on headphones and earbuds do not ask enough. That's such an obvious, easy question. And as a guy who has worked in high schools and middle schools and seen those kids with the headphones on, that question just doesn't get asked enough. So I, I'm just, I just want to compliment you on that. That's great. I mean, you're making me feel like an idiot for not thinking to ask that question. In- <laughs> well, my cheat code is that what led me to the work that I'm doing is my prior history as an uh, inspirational hip-hop recording artist. And so I have, you know, my sensitivities and, and uh, awareness of music and uh, pop culture I don't know. They they could they could be heightened uh, to some degree. I'm always naturally curious about what young people are engaged in, not just in part because of my work, but because I'm number one sincerely engaged and curious about what they're engaged in, and two, uh, I am a fan and, and a consumer of pop culture. So that question is you embodying the authenticity, boldness, and curiosity that you're preaching, right? Absolutely. In a lot of ways, that's a hard question for an adult to ask. And it doesn't seem like it would be. But, but in asking that question, you are being open to this kid knowing more about something than you do. Because they're probably going to name a band that you've never heard of. And now they're in control of that conversation. Because they're explaining something to you. And you have to sit back and let them be in charge. So you're being bold by giving them the wheel right? You're being authentic by just being straight with, you don't know what they're listening to. And then probably you don't know what it is. And you're also being curious. That's what's leading the question. And then the continued listening to what they have to say about whatever that music is. So that's such a great question. Sorry for completely derailing you. <laughs> no, no, totally fine. Totally fine. But no, you, you hit it on the nose. Um, you know, you're giving them the wheel and that's precisely what we want to, that's, that's what we want to do. The young man, he shared uh, the artist he was listening to, and fortunately, it was a throwback. It was something I didn't expect him to, to be listening to. He was listening to uh, Old Dirty Bastard from Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right? And I'm like, what? Dude, that was like my era. We embarked on this whole conversation about what he's listening to now, you know, what's hot, what's, what, we're, what we're into individually, you know, why he likes who he likes. And that led to him opening up about what he wanted to do and how he felt about his school. He was interested in, in pursuing some sort of endeavor in the arts. He didn't know yet, but he said he hated his school because 
you know, his school didn't create space for him from his viewpoint for him to explore his interests. And for that, uh, he, you know, had developed a strong disdain for the school. Our conversation wrapped up right in time as his parent came to pick him up. And after he left, the secretary, I, I saw that she was watching us talk, right? Mm-hmm. And, and rightfully so. Uh, but after he left, she goes, that was the most that kid has ever talked since he's been here, period. And I'm like, wow, how is it that me, a total stranger, w- w- was able to procure a conversation and, and get this kid talking, according to her, more than he's ever talked since he's been at the school? How and why is that possible? I'm not asking in a uh, tone of self-congratulatory. No, no. My question is, what is going on with the school that that young man because I can't help but to think, you know, how many other students weren't being engaged yeah. in a meaningful way, right? Right, and and not being connected to, not being brought into the fold of that school and the community of that school. Right, and it's just it's really disheartening. It, it's it's really it's 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 frustrating, and and uh, I am doing everything within my power to to help equip as many educators as I can with uh, tips and tools that I've, I've learned and developed over the years to bridge those gaps and help them really connect to their youth because it can be literally the difference between a young person's success or failure. And one element of that story, right, something that didn't come up both in your, in your your three values of authenticity, boldness, and curiosity, and also didn't come up in that story, even though it potentially could have, was judgment. Mm. I'm listening to Old Dirty Bastard. You didn't go, oh, you shouldn't listen to that. There's bad words in that music. (laughs) You were just like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that was what I was listening to when I was growing up. And you went with it. Absolutely. That's one of the values that I tend to espouse is, is avoiding judgment because you can't be curious if you're being judgmental. And so really I'm, I'm sharing your value of curiosity, but that's an important component of this. That kid was probably experiencing judgment more often than he was experiencing curiosity and that shut him down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's not uh, he's by no means an anomaly. I see it mm-hmm. time and again. Students who um who participate in my residency, I mean, there are times where, you know, the lessons take a back seat to student voice just because mm-hmm. the hunger to be heard is so profound. At the end of the day, it's really, really about leading with our humanity first and foremost. What gets lost in the relationships between youth and authority figures a lot of times, is the foolishness or the silliness of being young, right? A matter of fact, just recently, the school obviously will be a name, but uh, I was just exposed to a situation recently where um, a student was coming from lunch, and uh, according to the student, it was two of them, according to the two of them, a water bottle, you know, slipped out of their hand as they were walking, and the water bottle banged against the locker, and, you know, it was loud as it hit the locker, and a teacher who was teaching in the adjacent class 
burst out of the class and, you know, berated the students about being disrespectful and making noise. And the students were like, but my water just, I just dropped my water. What, what's going on? You know, I didn't do anything. I didn't do, you know, they're adamant. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And the teacher's just like super, super frustrated. And she's like, these young men need a lesson in respect and X, Y, and Z. And, and I, I, in the moment, it was, it was a really tense, it was a really tense moment. You know, there were, there was a lot of emotion and frustration running, running high, but coming off of the moment, uh, and I got to take a breath just as I talk about it, I'm reliving it. Yeah. And so where I go in hearing this, right, Mm -hmm. is in both of those stories, the kid that's not connected to the school and then these two kids that are like a water bottle slips out of their hands and makes a big loud bang. What's the underlying bias that's causing these adults in the school to not connect with these kids and not give them the benefit of the doubt? Is it, is it just that school's culture? Is it that these kids are kids with ADHD, for example, because certainly that happens with kids Absolutely. who have ADHD and they get in trouble more. So the assumption is that they're doing it the wrong way when they get seen in a situation that involves a big loud noise, for example. But what's going on? Why are these teachers unable to bring that curiosity to the situation? Why are they leading with judgment? I think to, to answer that, we have to, we have to uh, pull back from the micro and look at the macro, right? A lot of teachers themselves are under a lot of stress. We live in a system that's based on standardized testing right now, you know, for, for a large part, like it's used to measure our kids' aptitude. And, and, and not just that, uh, my belief is most teachers genuinely want to help their students learn. Teachers want to teach, right? So there, and, and there's a lot of barriers to that that come to the classroom. Sometimes there's things going on at home. Uh, sometimes there's things that, you know, a kid walks into a classroom with that has nothing to do with the class or the teacher, but that may play a role in the, uh, education process going right or left. And then teachers have their own problems. Teachers have children, they have spouses, they have problems at home. They have layers of frustration out of school that they bring into the classroom as human beings. And so to answer that question, we have to look at both the authority figure and the young person as people, as human beings, number one. And I think that's where, that's where we go wrong a lot. That's where a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the frameworks for our school policies go awry. We don't account enough for our humanity on both sides. And so teachers come to class with their own frustrations, their own biases, right? And then their own implicit biases, biases that they aren't even aware that they carry that live in our unconscious minds. Right. That's a dynamic in and of itself. And then you have the young person coming in, the the prefrontal cortex, that decision-making area of the brain doesn't fully develop until age 25. You know, are, are we always accounting for the neurological disadvantage that our young people are at developmentally, right? Yeah. And, and if you've got ADHD in the mix, you're knocking one to three years off of that. And that implicit bias component is huge because I'm sort of thinking, I'm like, if those kids had been in suits, it would have been a different interaction because I've had days when I have to wear a suit. I don't wear them often. 
But I've had days where I've been in the supermarket not that long ago when I was like in a suit walking through the supermarket and everybody was really nice to me. Like it was weird. People were sort of getting out of my way sooner than they would have and saying thank you to me for no reason. And it was strange. And so even how we dress brings these implicit biases with us. That stuff is, is huge. That's really important. And, and recognizing that common humanity, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to these, your three values that you mentioned. That's authenticity, right? That's recognizing that we're all authentic people. Having been the teacher who probably snapped at a kid in the hallway when he shouldn't have, there's a component of denying your own emotional state that happens that makes the emotional state worse. Mm. It, does that make sense? Wow. Like you go out in the hallway and the kid, there's this big loud bang. I'm now all agitated from what just happened. I'm like, what the heck was that? And I go outside and there's two kids picking up a water bottle. What are you doing? What is going on? Because I'm startled from that noise. I'm probably also stressed from the class or whatever's going on. And so now my anxiety is through the roof. And instead of just stopping, and, and I've been able to do this often enough that that's why I know this phenomenon happens. I've gotten much better at being able to stop and own my nonsense, right? Own my anxiety, mm. own the fact that I'm over-responding and say, like, what is going on? That's, you shouldn't be doing that. No, you know what, guys? I am freaking out and I don't need to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I've gotten better at that. <laughs> so, and that's the only reason I know I do it. And I've, I've had, I'm a principal at a private Islamic school in my town at the moment, among other things that I'm doing. And not that long ago, I had an interaction with a kid where I unloaded on him. And then I was completely in the wrong. <laughs> like he was raising a basketball hoop up, you know, the basketball hoops you can kind of raise and lower. Sure. Sure. So he was doing that. And there was this conflict. He was an eighth grader. There was some fifth graders outside at recess too. And the fifth graders are trying to shoot on the hoop and then he starts raising it. And I'm assuming that what's going on is the eighth graders are trying to get the fifth graders off the court. Like, let's make it higher so you can't shoot as easily. And I was like, that's nonsense. What are you doing? Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> they're like, no, they call me brother Brendan. They're like, no, brother Brendan. It's just when you shoot, eventually the hoop lowers down because every time the ball bangs in the backboard, the hoop goes down a fraction of an inch. And so they periodically lift it back up. And I'm like, okay, I messed up. <laughs> I have to like apologize to, I don't know, 12 kids on a, on a playground. And in particular, the one kid who raised it up, who is in fact, one of the kids who tends to be a little bit of a troublemaker in the school. And I could totally see doing what I thought he was doing. It wasn't an unreasonable guess on my part. Sure, sure. But I was completely wrong. <laughs> um, and, and it can be hard for adults to own the fact that they were wrong and apologize to kids. So I don't know if that's a, a useful contribution to the, to the story you're telling, but that's kind of where my head went as I was listening. A conversation I had with uh, the students afterward was around a, a, a practice that I've learned to deploy, not just in my, my dealings with, with youth, but like with my dealings with everyone, with adults as well. Uh, and, and that principle is to always respond, never react. The guiding principle is that reactions are driven by emotion and responses are about a thoughtful approach to whatever the challenge is, right? That's not something that comes naturally. That's not something that, not for me at least, 
because you know in the moment where we're as human beings something happens in terms of our evolution is as mammals reacting is 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 something that's a part of our survival instinct so to react to some sort of like overstimuli is a very natural thing but learning how to hold that reaction and be thoughtful about how we react to the stimuli is is something that takes work and it takes practice and it takes and it takes time and patience it's not something that i claim to have some sort of you know overlord hyper mastery of but it's something that i've been in the practice of and i can share that it helps uh, a tremendous amount in engaging youth and uh, motivating youth and collaborating with youth because a lot of times things that happen have nothing to do with you and sometimes we, you know, allow things to touch us in ways that they weren't necessarily always meant to touch us. For example, some forms of what some teachers interpret as outward disrespect are just a kid's way of saying, I need help. A kid's way of, of, of sort of kicking the tires and saying, you know, I think I can trust you, but I'm afraid. For example, I had a student fall of 18 student who was notorious for for being disruptive uh, in one of my classes right so this one student he proceeded to play music we have a speaker in the classroom because we use music as a part of our, as a part of our activities and so he proceeds to bluetooth his phone to the speaker and he starts playing music <laughs> as we're trying to plan the activity right and so I said listen Dude, and he was hiding his phone as, as he did it. I'm like, bro, what's going on, man? You know, he's being, uh, you know, continues to try to be surreptitious about, uh, about it. I'm like, listen, man, look, I'm cool, man. If you wanted to play music, all you had to do was ask me. All oh, this isn't necessary. This is, I'm like, man, this is, man, come on, man. This is no big deal. If you want to hear some music while we talk, all you had to do is say, listen, Hey, Juma, I'd love to play some music as we plan the activity, right? You didn't have to go about, you didn't have to Bluetooth your phone and, you know, carry on. And, and after that, the kid was so cool. I let him play some music softly. We, you know, we agreed on a playlist. Let him play some music softly as we plan the activity. And from that point on, every time he passes by, he comes in, you know, and, and he embraces me and he's, you know, and I can tell he really, really appreciates. I don't know if anyone ever, I, I think typically the response would be, you know, stop, don't. Right. Right. i give you another example of um, a young lady who was in, who was in uh, one of our classes in one of our schools in Boston. She is notorious. Um, she is known for telling teachers where to go and what to do when they get there. <laughs> <laughs> literally right and so she uh she gets to my and and i recognize that this young this young lady was highly deregulated and uh was not accustomed to being challenged in a way that she understood right so bear in mind any challenge that i present to a young person or any any version of discipline that is deployed in, in residencies that that we run or undertake we front load on relationship building. We front load on trust building. 
I mean, my core belief is education without relationship is a, is a misfire. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, it's everything, right? We, we are people before we are students and teachers. So we're um, going about our lesson, and she's just totally disruptive. Totally, She's just on her phone. She's talking to students next to her and throwing them off task. And so, um, and, and I want to frame this in a way that, that's, uh, and give as much context as possible. So first, before I responded in the way that I'm going to share, I had an opportunity to observe her behavior, I had an opportunity to get a, get a feel for her as a student, right? And then I had some history on how she approaches and, and treats other teachers, you know, when she's challenged to be regulated. So with this in mind, I asked her politely, hey, you know, can you please refrain from using your phone while we while we're engaged in this lesson? You know, and she she says, uh, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) 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 And so uh, my my response was, I can do what I want to do. She says, <laughs> she and she retorts back. She says, "I do what I want to do." I said, "Okay, well, listen, not in here, okay?" So she chilled out for the moment, and uh, and I won't say that you know that that one interaction was like a, a silver bullet or anything, but that created a groundwork because after that, every time I wasn't in class, you know, she let me know. Where you been? Where are you at? You know, every time I see her, she wants to talk and she, you know. Yeah. Can I unpack that a little bit? Sure, sure. Because that's, I love the small distinction, the small difference in how you responded compared to how I imagine most other teachers and adults would have. When you said, I can do what I want, you weren't telling her what to do, right? Right, right. You were meeting her where she is because where she is is she's like, I can do what I want. And you were like, I can do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're meeting her where she is in a way that's slightly different from kind of, I think, how you were meeting it earlier, which was sort of be developmentally appropriate and meet them where they are in terms of their ability level. Here, you're meeting her where she is like in terms of her personality and her needs and her motivations and her goals, like she needs to be able to do what she wants. And you're like, I need to be able to do what I want. Right. And so it reframed the whole thing for her. That's awesome. And listen, that's not something I'm not saying this as a recommendation or anything. I'm just, I'm just sharing an anecdote. Yeah, no, I completely am saying that that is a recommendation. It's a high level recommendation. You need to be pretty skilled and you need to understand the kid that you're interacting with pretty well for that to work. That's a high risk, high reward strategy. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's what the boldness piece of uh, the engagement model, that's where that comes in. Taking calculated risks. That was a calculated risk in terms of, I had enough background on the student. Mm-hmm. I had invested time allowing the class to get to know me first, and then, you know, and, and vice versa. And that brings all the other stuff in too, right? Like you had been authentic about how you were with them and you had taken the time and energy to be curious about who they are. And that's why you got away with being bold. Exactly. Exactly. Even going back to the anecdote with the young man, it's a risk to interrupt 
a kid's media moment. You know, he was headphones in. Usually when people have their headphones on, that means do not disturb. But it was a calculated risk in that I was prepared for the conversation. And when I say prepared for the conversation, not alluding to, you know, my, my history and background as a musician, but I was prepared for whatever that response would have been, whether it would have been him sharing what he was listening to or take a hike. Mm -hmm. In taking calculated risks with students, you have to be prepared to accept a response that may not be favorable or optimal, but you have to be okay with where they're at because whatever that response is, oftentimes is indicative of where they, they are at. That's awesome. So just being mindful of time, mm -hmm. do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? Yes. When it comes to engaging your youth, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, one, be mindful of their humanity and your humanity, because we are all human and we are all doing the best that we can. Two, keep authenticity first. Keep it real and honest and authentic before anything else. Again, going back to boldness, don't be afraid of taking calculated risks. Three, by all means, above and beyond all else, please be more curious than judgmental. Be more curious than fault-finding. Be more curious than assumptive. Those are my parting thoughts. Oh, also, please do visit themessagemovement.com where you can learn more about the work that we do and provide some solutions around communication and connection issues, whether they be based in social media or simply relating, connecting, and motivating students. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.